and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matthew Pell. So Matt is an applied sports scientist at Catapult Sports where he specializes in working with both the MLS and with American football teams and it's those American football teams which we're going to discuss today. So without further ado it's time to welcome Matt onto the show. So Matt Pell, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. No, thanks very much, Matt. Yeah, really, really looking forward to the conversation. So am I, mate. I think uh, I've just looked through the, the planning and questions again, and uh, I'm really excited to see exactly what's happening in American football. But for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yep. My name's uh, Matthew Powell, obviously, and uh, I've just moved across actually here from Australia about a year, and a little bit over a year and a half ago now, and um I've come fresh out of the Australian Football League where I basically coached in in and around the system there in a multitude of roles from the referees uh, through to uh, two of the two of the senior organisations being Carlton Football Club and uh, North Melbourne Football Club and um, now we've obviously transitioned over to Catapult um, and the title is as an, as an applied sports scientist and uh, yeah very. Very vast range of, um, I suppose, roles and responsibilities, but um, yeah, that we'll, we'll certainly touch on here. But I currently look after all of our major league soccer um, accounts, and and also about twenty American football accounts across the college uh, level, and uh, and a lot of other sports as well. So. Getting some great exposure and, and certainly picking up on some uh, some really critical pieces of information, I think, is uh, important for all of your listeners. Absolutely. So I'm I'm super excited to get into some American football stuff and then potentially compare that to other sports as well, because obviously you get you have that unique combination. So mm-hmm. before we before we do that comparison, we need to know what we're looking at. So what are the what are the game demands of American football? What do they do? Yeah, it's, it is very, very, the, the deeper you go into it and, and really understanding the complexities of each of the position um, groups is, I think, really critical um, because you, you've got your bigger guys on the offensive and defensive line and, and then you've got your, your skill guys, um, your wide receivers and running backs and so forth on the outside where they they absolutely have to run a, a lot faster um, and they, they cover a lot more distance, I suppose, in terms of looking at traditional um, running demands and GPS requirements um, from a distance velocity perspective. Uh, and then obviously, you, as I mentioned, your inside guys are just getting bashed and crashed uh, continuously uh, after, after obviously each play. So yeah, what's what's certainly opened up a lot of conversations around that is is how we manage these guys, and I think when we're purely looking at those uh, game demands from my perspective, coming across from the other side of the globe, um, I've actually been really surprised by just how much uh, how much work not only goes into their program, but really the the capacity that these guys do have. Um, from, and I'm talking about the skill guys on the outside. When we look at sprinting and so forth, it is it is basically in some scenarios double what you'll see within an AFL game. So uh, that's a, it's an appreciation for that for what these guys can produce from a from a speed distance exposure perspective, but then also from an acceleration perspective. So it's certainly been eye opening and. Um, 
and it's given it's provided me with a really um, a really big uh, I suppose picture as to how much we can actually push some of these athletes further. I think it's super interesting, especially to be able to push them further or yeah, train them maybe more optimally, especially if they're doing all of that uh, huge amounts of volume. But mm-hmm. when when you have that team then, um, what do you do with the literally hundreds of athletes? Because I've seen pictures of uh, obviously the strength mm-hmm. coaches being held back on the sidelines, which is ridiculous, but you have like 3,000 athletes and they're all spectators, but they're all getting a chance to play as well. How, there's literally hundreds of guys there. What, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it, it's certainly a big challenge, I think, for the traditional strength coaches to be able to, to really be across every component of the, of the program from a detailed perspective, because you, you, you look at traditional, um, I suppose, just the going through camp all the way through to in season, really where the, the, the strength coaches have the opportune time to be able to influence a lot of, I suppose, the speed progression. And we're talking about max velocity-based days and max acceleration-based days. Uh, obviously, going into that summer um, summer preparation or that pre-season type um, setup, that's where they have the opportunity to really periodise what the sets and reps and, and, and obviously the progression of that might look like. And that's certainly where I spend a lot of my time is, is diving into the numbers around how that is progressing um, with, with all the accounts that I work with. Um, but, but it is a re- really unique challenge once we get in season and you've got um, your starters, which we call your, your ones, all the way down to your seconds and thirds and fourth um, guys, uh, which is, does challenge you to ch- challenge the practitioners to think about how they manage that but also how they communicate that internally um, I think is also another really big challenge because you're working with coaches and a really big gamut of coaches uh, from the head coach to your line coaches to your specialist coaches uh, that are obviously trying to, to manage their piece of the puzzle because it is so technical. Um, and I think that's the, that's the piece uh, that is on the practitioner when you really have got one person either running our catapult system, um, but also uh, you might have access to other strength coaches uh, around the facility and, uh, and, and it's incumbent on them to be able to really communicate uh, internally with those coaches and develop the relationships on how they're managing those players in the, in the broader, broader scale. I think that's really important to, to touch on quickly as well, because with that huge amount of players comes a huge staff and with communication comes communication issues. So are there any other constraints then around the organization and the structure of the, the team, which need to be accounted for when you're, you're going to work then as a practitioner? Yeah, it, it's, there's a lot in that. Um, I, I think it's, it's your ability to be able to sit down collectively um, and, and I suppose with the background that me personally that I've come from, I've really tried to stress uh, in, in these environments how critical it is to have some dialogue around either planning out what the, the forecasting of that data may look like once we've got some good retrospective data, um, but also having some, some clear objectives, uh, obviously going into the, into the session um, or into a practice session, as you certainly uh, is critical to from a language perspective to understand the sport. Um, but uh, and then how that is fed, obviously up to up the chain with regards to the head strength coach, who's then communicating, obviously with the head coach. Um, but you'll certainly find that uh, some environments 
do uh, are quite data driven, um, and then some environments, uh, I think philosophically, um, the, the really does place the importance on coaching. Um, and, and yes, the numbers complement that from a GPS mode or uh, really what I think we need to start to look at uh, or change some of the language in American football is more so on the prescription management. Um, so that uh, as long as that environment is fostering well and, uh, and, and actually have some quantification uh, around it, that's where I've seen it work really effectively so far. I guess it's absolutely excellent. And that brings us really nicely onto how you're going to quantify things and what you're going to quantify because uh, data is nice, but it needs to mean something. So what are the KPIs which uh, you generally see coaches looking at and then which ones do they present to the coaches? Because that's obviously a little bit different. Yeah, and I think that's the unique challenge over here because you're dealing with some really big stadiums um, and and big facilities that have access to uh, obviously indoor facilities as well. And uh, certainly from a catapult perspective, we do have the option with the clear sky monitoring where the, the guys can obviously get access to um, GPS indoors. But if you don't have access to that, we, we certainly know that our player load value validated metric through the company is uh, is really good in that scenario. And I, again, I bring it back to the management of those those bigger uh, position players as such as your O-line and D-line guys. That's where player load um, from a, a purely from a volume perspective, but then going deeper into that with the respective bands um, I think is really critical because that does factor in contact when we're looking at those uh, yeah, that ability off the gyroscope and the um, accelerometer um, to be able to report that information and then understand where the, the detail is actually coming from in conjunction with we have a series of contact metrics as, as well. Um, but the player load is a really simple one to be able to communicate uh, to coaches uh, if that the really the, the practitioner does understand it at a, at a deep enough level, but it's one number, and then we can dive into the detail around the planning aspect of that again, which is then uh, specific towards each uh, position group, and we need to go really deep into that as to how we're managing those individual players. And that, that makes a, a really interesting point as well that it's, it's highly individual and that potentially not all the KPIs are then suited to the, the same person, right? So the, the mm -hmm. big, the big massive 150 kilo guy, yeah, his high speed <laughs> running stats are not going to be great, but, yeah, um, yeah. but all of a sudden Spot you've got on. a different KPI for that and you can, you can assess that person a little bit differently and a little bit more mm -hmm. effectively as well. So yeah, when you, when you have all of these constraints, which you've mentioned and all of these different considerations, um, you, you obviously work with a lot of guys in, in fantastic positions and you get to see some fantastic insights there as well. But what do you think is then the absolute perfect scenario when it comes to using GPS to make sure that athletes are fully prepared for the match demands? Yeah, I, personally, I think it, uh, and I've had some really, I'll, I'll 
kind of wind back a little bit. Um, I've had some really big conversations with a lot of, uh, obviously, my practitioners that I get to deal with on a daily basis, and, and I've got to certainly pay credit to um, uh, a, a good friend of mine in the company named Jamie Hepner, uh, who taught me a lot about football uh, very early on. But um, guys at, at the University of Mississippi, like Zach Higginbotham, uh, through to University of Buffalo with Coach Ice and Coach Cole over there, um, and, and certainly the head coach and Coach Linguist, who I think have genuinely started to um, really look at how uh, the, not only the planning aspect of um, this data management, but they're, they're really thinking about the detail as to where this does fit and, and how they can actually use it to drive performance. And I think it does start with your head uh, strength coach and the communication that's required to your head coach um, because we're talking about the whole landscape of, of how we action this and, and manage it. But at the same time, uh, the coach has a, his role to, to certainly look after his coaches who then have their role to be able to influence the athlete. And then you've obviously got the head strength coach who is getting access to all the numbers and reporting that up the chain. And I think that communication and dialogue from what I have seen is um, is, is really critical um, to be able to, to, to feed that back up, but then also to action and plan off that. And, and really where that's in the return play setting, um, but managing the bigger picture, I see the synergy between those departments being really, really critical. So then if you if you look at that in terms of the, the structure itself, do they need to be different mm-hmm. departments or does that actually just need to be one staff of, uh, of a few close-knit individuals who maybe get fed the data from uh, from other staff members so it doesn't clog up their time, uh, but there's mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a meeting or uh, two meetings, whatever it might be, between those critical staff members per day or per session? How, how do you think that could best um, be mm-hmm. realised? Yeah, I think it does. It is imperative. And one of the things that we've tried to look at um, is is how all of this information is collated and, and then obviously presented where that's based on one practice session and then the accumulation of that across the week, which really does feed into a, a weekly summary, right? Because like, then we're looking at it going, well, who's done the most, who's done the least? And, and the questions that come out of that um, I've been really strong with the practitioners that I'm working with is to, to sit down as a department and, th- and now I'm talking about bringing in your, your athletic trainers, which is also a really other uh, critical piece over here that's quite unique um, in the American system um, and, and certainly in other systems in UK and Australia where you've got um, your physiotherapists and then your strength and conditioning coaches who might be dabbling into some of your rehab continuum. Um, that that whole communication platform around when they're returning to play, um, what drills can we select for them to go into, um, and then really how we're starting to forecast the data. I think it does present the story, right, and and at further detail around how we're managing that in the broader scale and, and, and certainly the progression, I think, leading into camp, that's certainly something that uh, we have to be a little bit mindful of because it is a really heavy period for the guys and the coaches are really excited for what they uh, want to try and achieve tactically and technically going into the in-season phase. 
Um, but then also how we get in season and managing that broader picture. So I think the, the communication, that's to a credit. Again, I'll bring the guys up at the University of Buffalo because it's probably one of my mer- most recent conversations is they're, they're, they're actually having that communication aspect at the start of the week, um, at the end of the week, and, and really going through the, the roster to figure out what they can actually do, actually do with the with the data that's being presented in front of them. So the more of those conversations, I think the more we're living in it and we're actually with the cohort of athletes that we're dealing with, the more likely we're, we're using this system to drive performance. Absolutely brilliant. And you touched very quickly on training camps. Can you give us a, maybe a, a, a one-minute sketch of how that looks? Because you hear some stories of some absolute shockers where people just get absolutely ground into the floor. So is that, is that true or are there, are there some training camps where people organize things a little bit more intelligently? Uh, yeah, the, the, it's a mixture. <laughs> from, from <my> <laughs> That's so diplomatic. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and I think that the more and more education, and I think it starts with uh, a lot of the, uh, certainly the, the coaching philosophy as to, to what traditionally they've done, but it's, it's the reorganisation of, of the data and, and certainly tactically what, what they're trying to achieve with each day, but also understanding the physical aspect because as we know, if we keep hitting the, the hammer um, every single day at a high volume and a high intensity, there is going to be a cutoff point where we're, we're starting to break some guys. And, and it does happen, right, over over a course of a, a four-week camp where we're trying to really bank some good quality work and we've got minimal days off. Um, but where I see the really the, the thoughtful um uh, obviously practitioners going into the detail is what a high load day, high volume day might look like and what's the reorganisation of that maybe look like the next day or and, and then the flow on effect of that. Um, so is it tactically working with the coaches and starting to really periodise their, their rep scheme, um, which I think has some big influence and there is certainly some out there that are, that are doing that at a very high level. Um, so that's where I see the management piece coming into play and, again, the, the load or the prescription management piece uh, really complementing that decision-making process. Absolutely brilliant. So Matt, massive thanks for your time and all of your fantastic answers today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking and, uh, yeah, I look forward to maybe uh, doing it again sometime. Absolutely, Matty. Appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Matt for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I'm sure there's a fantastic array of different mini lectures that you can get your teeth stuck into. And all you have to do to do that is click the link in the show notes, which will get you in there for seven days completely for free. So click that link in just a few seconds time. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I would really appreciate it if you can give us a quick like and a review. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and of course the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.